This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Working with a coach can be one of the biggest decisions you will ever make. It's an investment in yourself and your growth. It's important to make sure you choose the right one. Working with Vincent Infante as your personal coach, you can expect to raise the standard of your life and achieve more than you ever thought was possible. That may be a bold claim, but when you are truly dedicated to creating change, the results will be completely life-altering. You'll learn how to unlock your potential and reach goals using a combination of techniques in psychology, neurolinguistics, and good old-fashioned hard work. Valeria Tellis interviews Vin Infante, a certified mindset and high-performance coach and a licensed psychotherapist. Vin has spent over a decade learning and working with thousands of people in varying capacities, including hospitals, clinics, inpatient units, homeless shelters, school systems, and private practice. With an extensive background in psychology, mindset, behavior, neurology, and physiology, he uses his knowledge to help individuals unlock and achieve their unique definition of success. Vin received his undergraduate degree in psychology with accolades from Psychi National Honor Society and went on to achieve his master's in social work with a clinical focus. He was a fully licensed psychotherapist at the age of 23. It was around his ninth year in the mental health field, he wanted to create a more meaningful impact through genuine connection with his clients. That is when life coaching piqued Vin's interest as he began studying it initially for his own personal development. He hired his own coach and fell in love with all that coaching entails, especially the ways in which it created long-lasting change in his own life. Vin then pursued his strategic intervention coaching certification from Tony Robbins' RMT online training, shifting his focus to providing greater results as a mindset and performance coach. At the same time, Vin had been called to become an FDNY firefighter, which was one of his lifelong dreams aside from being a therapist. He served as a firefighter during the COVID-19 pandemic while simultaneously building his coaching practice and later resigned from the FDNY to serve people in the way he felt best utilized his gifts and passion. Then is continuing to expand his coaching practice as it now remains his full-time focus. He aims to teach about mindset, strategy, goal setting, and creating life transformations. Currently embarking on his 12th year in mental health, Vin hopes to help his clients achieve a holistic standard of living that targets people's mindset, sense of fulfillment, and overall quality of life. Meet Vin at vincentinfante.life. Here's the interview with Vin Infante. In your own words, who is Vin Infante? Well, I'd say that Vin Infante is a speaker. He's a motivator. 
and he's someone who's on a mission to really create a level of change in this world to help people live their best selves in their passions and get the most fulfillment. Would you call what you do today as a purpose that you have found in life? A hundred percent. I think that everybody is born with their purpose and you if you're lucky enough throughout this life from working very hard, you get to find it out, you get to figure it out. And then when you answer that call, you get to fully step into it and you get to do what you're meant to do. With that in mind, I would love to know, how did you find your purpose? What was the calling like? I think the way that I really found that this was my purpose is I think back to when I was a kid and I talk a lot about this and pretty much every story or speech or anything that I talk about when it's referring to me is, you know, as a kid, I always wanted to be a therapist and I wanted to follow in my dad's footsteps. I always wanted to be a firefighter and just kind of have that really cool job where I could help people. And as a kid, I also experienced a lot of my own pain. I experienced a lot of bullying. I experienced a few issues at home. I experienced anxiety, depression, suicidal thoughts, panic attacks, all of these things that I I don't think anyone wants to experience and I did. And so my life has always been just from a young age wanting to serve and then as I got older figuring out how to overcome my own problems and alleviate suffering in my own life and then transferring into another part of how can I serve others and bring them that same satisfaction because I know what it's like to suffer and I also know what it's like to be free. And so for me, it's how do I get people or how do I help people experience that freedom because if I've done it, it means other people could do it. And so I think this has been just kind of that lifelong realization is I'm, I'm just here to serve and I always have been. So with what you said about pain, suffering, is there a difference then from your perspective between pain and suffering? Yeah, I, I would definitely say so. I, what I've come to learn it as is that suffering is a choice, but pain is inevitable. See, suffering is more of a subconscious choice, though. We don't always intend to suffer. We don't necessarily realize that we're doing this, but the reality is most of the suffering we go through is because we do it to ourselves. It's a combination of what we're focused on, what we're doing daily that continues to increase the intensity of the emotions or the intensity of our suffering. And we're not learning what it is that we need to learn to get through it because everybody knows people grow through adversity. Adversity is what makes people become better. It's where the best life lessons are. So what's really the difference between going through some adversity and growing? They're both forms of pain, right? When, when we're going through adversity and when we're suffering, and it's really just the choices we're making. Pain is inevitable, but suffering becomes that big part of how you're viewing the pain and what you're processing it as. What are great reminder about the subconscious and what happens behind the scenes, which is the same thing. I wonder what the difference is between um, consciousness and the subconscious. Do you have an idea, Vin? Yeah, I mean, that's that's what I that's what I do yeah, every day. Yeah, right. So, <laughs> what am I? What a question to ask. <laughs> that's a great one. Now I get to talk about my favorite thing. So what we've seen, I mean, there's a lot of studies and a lot of research on this, is that we've seen that, and this is an average number, mind you, is that 95% of our day-to-day -day activity is in the subconscious. Our brain's job 
is to run scripts, as you will, if you compare it to being akin to a computer. A computer's job is to pull up programs whenever you click on command. And then the computer can easily pull it up and run it because it knows exactly what to do because it's run the program before. Right? Once the program's installed, it's easy to bring back up. These programs are very, very similar. And you know they always say, like, People have daddy issues or mommy issues, but the truth is, yes, most of the problems we have have started in our childhood. And so they've become these scripts now that every time a situation comes up, our brain goes back to the downloaded files and it pulls out these scripts. And so it runs your scripts for anxiety, for happiness, for depression, for joy, for love. Everything is a a script, so to speak. And it stops us from being at higher levels of consciousness. Now, that number I gave you before, that 95%, that's the average. They found that some people are doing their day in 99% of their subconscious, which means they are only thinking actively about 1% of their day are new things, new information, new behaviors, new vocabulary, whatever the case may be. And then on the higher side, they found people at 91% in their subconscious, which is great. I mean, that means 9% of their day is conscious and actually they're contributing to it. So what we really know and what I've really come to learn is that our subconscious is actually more the reason that you're talking a certain way, behaving a certain way, thinking a certain way, feeling a certain way. And this is really the greater part of how most people run their lives. And so when we talk about these things, I mean, my biggest job and my biggest goal for a lot of clients is to get them to that place where they're not 95% subconscious. Maybe they're 94, 93, or continuing to do even better because that's really understanding that there's that separation we need to achieve. That's where you're going to get a lot of the changes that you or anyone is looking for. Something that always comes to me is... Like in my case, because it's hard to speak from a different perspective, that I always had this interest in spirituality and going deeper. And that seems to be like a, almost like a mental predisposition programming in a way. But I was never really taught that in childhood or anywhere throughout my life. How do you explain that, those mental predispositions, those programmings, if they are programmings? Well, I think the biggest thing is that we can explain these subconscious programs by really just looking at the experiences we've had in life. So I, I think one of the best ways to probably uh, explain this is an experiment that was done. I, I learned about this when I was taking a, a positive psychology course. Positive psychology is really, really cool. It talks a lot about grit, grit and resilience, which is probably arguably two of the strongest uh, human emotions we possess that can get us through virtually anything. And they did this experiment with two mice, and they put one mouse in a uh, in a box, and they put the other mouse in a box. Now, the first mouse was in this box, and they would just shock it. And the there was a button on the wall, and if the mouse ran to this button and he hit the button, he could get out of the room and he'd avoid the shocks and he'd be fine. In the other box, that mouse had a button and it had a way out. However, the button did not work. So what we see is in the first box, the, the mouse gets shocked. He runs around and runs around and he figures out, okay, if I hit this button, I could get out. And he runs out of the room. The second one, he does the same thing. He runs around and runs around, but he learns he can't get out. And so eventually he just lays down and they continue to shock him and he just accepts the shock. Now, when they take these two mice and they put them in the same room 
They started doing the shock, and the first mouse immediately, almost immediately, ran over and hit this button and got out of the room. The other mouse, even after seeing that mouse leave the room and run out, continued to still lay in this box and accept the shocks. Now, it's very interesting because it's a different box, and it, and that other mouse was actually able to even see another mouse leave the room and avoid the shock. However, what we've learned about learned helplessness is that it's so ingrained that there is this idea that no matter what you do, you're going to suffer and you're going to be in pain, that the mouse in this case doesn't even try to improve its circumstance. This is akin to what humans do as well. This is where we see people you know, say, like, there's no point, I can't even get out of bed or whatever the case may be. And these are these subconscious programs where you've had this experience and now it's just normalized behavior to you because this is what you know. That's kind of um, cruel, isn't it? <laughs> that I was trying to picture. I mean, I, I was able to visualize that, you know, that, is that true? It's like a, a real kind of test that was done because that doesn't sound so good. I know they do yeah. experiments with animals, but that is so cruel. And is that still necessary then to kind of uh, abuse the, the animals to get scientific research to prove yeah, I don't uh, think that they really do many experiences like that nowadays, okay, more <laughs> so with the, uh, you know, with all the regulations and whatnot. But I think it's also something that's very interesting to say is that we have learned a lot through many of these experiences. Um, I, I don't really know what they currently are doing, but this is uh, much more of an older experiment. <laughs> okay, I like to hear that. <laughs> That's very good. I know you as a therapist, and you can do so much, of course. People come to you and you can help them. Do you try, attempt to help people around you, like family members and other people <laughs> that you see <laughs> caught up in this loop of suffering? Oh, yeah, all the time. Uh, it's actually yeah. <laughs> it's very difficult because I personally don't really know how to shut it off. Ah, and a lot <laughs> yeah. of people, very surprisingly, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm using air quotes right now, but a lot of people, very surprisingly, do not want uh, to be fixed, so to speak, right? They don't want to walk around and think that there's something wrong with them or that I'm giving them unsolicited advice or, you know, that I think I know best. And uh, so it could become a conflict, right? Because my clients, they're here because they they want to hear these things. My friends, my family, my ex-girlfriend, definitely not so much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What is spirituality to you and how do you integrate spirituality to psychology. So spirituality to me, I guess, has been something that I have really been defining and redefining throughout my life. I was raised in a Catholic household and I went to Catholic high school. And then I spent some time believing that there was a power, but I didn't know what it was. And then I spent some time in Christian church and that was a lot of fun. The Christians know how to have a worship ceremony. Uh, and then I had just kind of looked into some Buddhism and all these other things. But I think for me, where I'm finally settled, and mind you, this journey, I, I shortened it down to two seconds, but it's been about 10 years. But I would say that this journey has really led me to, I guess, what some people might call agnostic. I believe that there's a higher power, but I also don't fully identify with agnostic because I believe God is everything and everywhere. You know, I believe that you're God. I'm God. Uh, this plant next to me is God. That God is in everything. There's there's an energy within us. It's our divine selves. It's the human spirit that comes from God directly. And 
it's God can't be seen, touched, or felt, but but He is present everywhere. And I like to bring this into my coaching because I tell my clients, you know, one, I I have a bit of a requirement where I want clients to have a belief in a higher power. Don't care what, just that they have some sort of a belief that there is something greater than themselves. Because I I very much believe that this, that is one of the biggest keys to unlocking your highest potential and best mindset. And number two, what I would say is that because I believe that, you know, there is God in, in everything and everyone, I think this is a part of that power of manifestation. When you understand how to manifest, it's you understanding basically that you are able to pull these invisible strings that connect us all because you're finally so in line to, to your spiritual self. So the reality is that by hitting your bigger goals in life is not necessarily because of the fact that you're uh, doing things very differently. I mean, don't get me wrong, there's a little effort on your end, but it's because you're in spiritual alignment and so things are being more drawn to you. You can't have spiritual alignment if you don't believe there's anything spiritual. So these are some of the ways that I would say it comes out in my coaching and my uh, and my you know therapy processes. Yeah, I love that. This integration of science and spirituality. Just embracing life as a whole, that's how I see it, not just parts of life. Because that leads to so much trouble, uh, seeing parts only. Another question, the open questions I have is this one. If life had one purpose, one purpose only, what would that be then? Oh, I feel like that's an easy one. Uh, (laughs) Life had one purpose and one purpose only. It would be to spread as much love as you can and contribute as much as you can. Because if we go back to even that spiritual sense, I believe that God... And the universe, whatever we call it, is a being of just love, is a being of contribution. And so to continue to be closer to our spiritual self and our spiritual uh, highness, if you want, it's to really give back as much as you can and in as many ways as you can. What is healing from your perspective and what are some of the obstacles to healing? Oh, man, that's a very interesting one because healing can take on so many different forms. You know, uh, crying could be healing. A hug could be healing. Cursing at someone could be healing. (laughs) Um, I didn't think about that one. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, driving could be healing. I I think that, that healing is a very subjective term. I think everybody heals in very different ways. But I think... I think if we really were to try it and tie it into kind of one theme, I might say that healing is acceptance. Healing is love where there was pain. And when it comes to this idea of healing or even higher levels of spirituality, do you see a destination for that, a place to be? Do you envision that? Or there's just this ongoing and unfolding of life itself in every aspect, actually? Wow, that's an amazing question. I love that. So is there an ongoing process to this spiritual journey? Does it ever end? I think it never does. I think that the spiritual journey is the pursuit and chase of enlightenment and growth, which there will never be an end to. Uh, There is absolutely no way, in my opinion, could be wrong, would love to hear somebody debate it with me. Um, (laughs) There's absolutely no way to ever say that you're done. 
there's no way that you could ever say you've seen everything, you've done everything, you've heard everything, you've learned everything, you've experienced everything, you know everything. I don't I don't believe there is that possibility. See, because to me, one of the aspects of spirituality is growth. Like you're always you're always trying to grow and be better and be bigger and expand your capacities. And some people, I also feel I need to clarify this before I even continue to go further is that some people have trouble with this concept where they think that they have to be dissatisfied to constantly be pushing boundaries to grow. Like if I'm not dissatisfied where I'm at, I'll never grow my business. And I tell people all the time, like, that's not true. You could be extremely satisfied, extremely happy and extremely fulfilled and still keep pushing to grow and be better and learn more and become more because that that is a part of your spiritual journey and your job on this planet. Your job is to become the best version of yourself. That is never, in my opinion, achievable. I don't think anyone's ever going to be the best version of themselves. I think every day you could be 1% better and 1% better and then 1% better, but I don't think somebody will ever be completely chiseled into um, a final form. Like if, if, if people were, were marble, so to speak, we would never hit that chiseled, chiseled sculpture because there's always going to be another thing we could probably improve on. So if I strive to grow my business or whatever it is, or even get fit, get healthier, whatever it is at the level of the body, there's a, something in me that says, it's okay if I don't. So it's almost like very accepting of everything the way it is and how it happens from moment to moment. It feels like it's almost like the essence of who we are. It doesn't change and it's always there, present. And it's not really attached to anything, any of the human experiences of mind and body. I think, what, and tell me if I got this right. I think <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what you're saying is that essentially there is a there is a destination without it being a physical form for arriving at finding peace in this life. I could agree with that. I think that that's kind of what I what I was touching upon when I tell my clients, like, you can be extremely satisfied and fulfilled and still want more because that satisfaction right. and that fulfillment comes from you knowing that you're in alignment with life. And for you to be in alignment with life, you have to be at peace with it. And so I yeah. think that there is a lot of validity to what you're saying in regards to there isn't necessarily a destination it's more of just, you know, where are you on your inner self? And I think that that's probably what everybody really needs to strive for, right? It's finding that peace. I mean, I practice meditation and one of the things I learned about meditation is that meditation isn't actually sitting down doing an, you know, an ohm. It's actually a state of being. You could be meditating while you're walking down the street. In fact, I frequently meditate when I go running. I am in some of the deepest states of mental clarity and thought and just ability to understand feelings and have amazing ideas and things come to me as they just flow through me. And that that to me is meditation. You could do that anywhere. You could do it in the gym, in your car, while you're on a run, while you're sitting at home. So that I think that really speaks true to what you say as it's not necessarily a destination. It's something that we can just achieve and carry with us. Going back to what you do and how you do it. So you are a mastered 
mindset and high performance coach and also a psychotherapist. What is it like to work with you in a sense of um, location, online, offline? Do you work with groups too and corporations then? Mm, so I basically try to explain to people what it's like to work with me is to get three people in one. So <laughs> my price is very cheap when you think of it that way. <laughs> yeah, You get... Uh, see, I, I, I believe that mental health needs to seriously be challenged in today's world. I think that everyone is, is I don't want to sound too, uh, what's the word? I don't want to sound too uh, challenging to today's world, but I think that mental health needs some serious improvement. I think that you have therapists fighting with life coaches, life coaches fighting with therapists. And quite frankly, everybody has their own parts of the puzzle, but the puzzle is not complete. And so what I aim to do is I actually aim to complete that puzzle by integrating two of the best services that I'm aware of, which is psychotherapy and life coaching. And then as well as putting a very heavy mentoring and teaching component into it. So you get these three people when you work with me. And the reasons is, is because for the first part, I'm going to be your therapist where I'm going to get to know you, know your standards, your unconscious rules, how you've basically formatted and built your life, like running that computer script. And then I'm going to mentor you. I'm going to give you new information. I'm going to teach you. I'm going to give you lots of feedback and give you room for growth. And then I'm going to be your coach. And the biggest thing between a coach and a therapist is a therapist meets you where you're at and a coach challenges you to raise your standards. And that's really where you get life-changing results. So I implement this hybrid service and I use many different modalities from uh, many areas of my training and my life. And then I can work in a one-to-one uh, -one capacity, which is primarily how I work with people. I've also done some trainings for executive teams where I've basically built out like leadership trainings and mindset trainings, and I've helped them with these areas. I've done a few speeches, a few uh, motivational speeches. And as far as like working in person, I mean, most of my clients are all over the country. So I essentially just do a lot of video chats. <laughs> So that's good to know. Video chats and Zoom, Skype. Uh, yeah, I could. It it depends. You know, if the client has a if the client has an iPhone, which I have, we'll just FaceTime. <laughs> oh yeah, FaceTime. Right, right. I, I keep forgetting about technology. That option. <laughs> uh, so true. Talk to me for a moment about the ideal client. Your ideal client. Ben. Okay. Yes, my ideal client. So I've really come to find that I enjoy working with highly motivated, highly coachable people. I've spent a lot of time uh, in mental health, been here for over 12 years, worked with thousands of people. And I definitely do have a type if we were to even make this like a dating reference. I have a type. <laughs> and my type is motivated, coachable, somebody who really wants the service. I never believe in having to sell my service. So even when people hop on a call with me, I'm not sitting there using uh, high pressure sales tactics or pulling on people's pain points because I don't believe in that. Like if you want to work with me, it's because you really want the service and that's how you're going to get the best results. Um, so the majority of my clients now are actually entrepreneurs, executives, CEOs, people that are in very high positions of power and are constantly looking to upgrade their mindset so that they could grow their business. But I also have some people that aren't uh, in those positions, but are just highly motivated people that find a way to make it work and really want to work with me because they see the value. I love that as a requirement. 
being open, or as you said, coachable. Mm-hmm. I know you integrate two different techniques, CBT and DBT. Talk to me for a moment about them, what they are, and the difference between them. So yes, these are these are two of my main strategies that I learned back when I was doing regular traditional psychotherapy. So they are a big backbone for my work. Obviously, I have more, but these are the bigger foundations. CBT is really based on identifying and changing uh, like different distorted thinking patterns or things that might be inaccurate, such as uh, maybe emotional responses and and behaviors. Where DBT, which is uh, dialectical behavioral therapy. And I forgot to tell people, CBT is cognitive behavioral therapy. (laughs) So DBT uh, addresses mostly people's thoughts and behaviors, but it has the incorporation of strategies for helping out with emotional regulation and building higher levels of mindfulness. So the regular way that CBT is, is it's really kind of just understanding inaccuracies and challenging it. And DBT, from from my understanding, focuses more on emotional regulation and really getting to change your physical emotional state. CBT focuses on what I would feel is more mental. Yeah, so emotional, mental. I see that with DBT, I have a hard time with acronyms, as I said, <laughs> off record. <laughs> Mindfulness is one of the skills that we learn. That's wonderful, isn't it? I love the idea of meditation because... We become more aware of different, uh, let's say, dimensions of ourselves that we cannot access with the senses, with the five senses. So that's a wonderful component. If you were to define mental health, what would that be? What it is to be mentally healthy then? I think what it is to be mentally healthy is to have a very good source of content that you consume, such as uh, reading such as educating yourself, challenging your mindset to grow, always learning new perspectives and ideas and thoughts, not poisoning your brain with negative, you know, negative news, negative interactions, negative things like gossip and, you know, reading reading uh, smut articles, whatever that case may be. And I think it's also having a lot more and a lot higher emotional intelligence, having a higher emotional ability to understand what you're thinking and feeling. And I think lastly, for for mindset, I always talk about what's the biggest thing about positive, you know, staying positive. People think being positive is smiling when you're in pain, but being positive is really just being solution oriented. So having a healthy, good mindset is to be solution oriented, look for opportunities and look for ways to always see the best in the situation, even if the best is just a good learning experience. What is success to you? What is to be successful? Being successful is just being happy. You know, you can't define success any other way. I mean, you could, but this is the only thing I would have a very strong stance to say people are wrong. I'm usually (laughs) very open, but I'm going to say that my definition (laughs) is right here. And I will be a little bold with that because how many times do you see these millionaires or even billionaires that are hanging themselves in their mansions that have the fast cars, that have everything you and I ever dream of, and they're still miserable? Success that's not success. Their their fortunes are not success. Their lifestyle is not success. Success is happiness because whether you have everything or you have nothing, if you have happiness, you have everything. I agree. And to clarify that, happiness to you would be doing what you do or 
Do you have different sources for happiness? I have so many sources of happiness. <laughs> I, I do. I think happiness is being able to actually even find that, find the gratitude and know that there's so many ways to be happy. To me, happiness is a quiet night in the house, uh, playing video games, watching a good TV show, going to the gym, uh, hiking is huge for me, water sports like jet skiing, uh, kayaking, I, I love running. Uh, I mean, I could keep going. You know, happiness happiness could be found in everything. And that's that's success when you can really find happiness in everything. It has something to do with gratitude, I agree, being yeah. grateful for what we have. What is another word for freedom? Oh, freedom. I love it. Freedom is a freedom is a state of mind. I don't know if I have another word to describe it, but I could give you another quick tangent. I think that freedom comes from the realization that you can be free no matter what. There's this man, he wrote, uh, he wrote this book called Man's Search for Meaning. His name is Viktor Frankl. And that man knows what freedom is. He talked about as he was, um, for anyone who doesn't know, Viktor Frankl was a Jewish psychologist during World War II in Nazi Germany. And he was in prison in the internment camp and he watched his friends and his family die and he would, you know, bury, bury bodies and take out bodies and all these things. And he said that he found such a level of freedom and peace while in this internment camp that he actually believed he was freer than the guards that were patrolling the outsides. And I truly learned and believe that freedom is that state of mind. It's just understanding that you have like this gift of life and you have the ability to make whatever you want of it. And you have the ability to choose a great focus. Now, in that scenario, Viktor Frankl focused on all the things he would do when he got out of there and how amazing it would be and all the changes he would make. And he kept hope alive. And I think that's that's a big part of freedom. So I think for me, freedom is just that. It's it's what you make of it. What do you love most about being in a human body? What do I love most about being in a human body? That's a great question. I love the human experience. I think at times I hated it. Back when I was depressed and suicidal and anxious, I absolutely hated it. I had the fantasies of not being a human anymore and figuring out what was going to be next. Uh, <laughs> but I tell you, I'm extremely happy and grateful that I never did figure out what's next because the beauty of being human is that we have such amazing imperfections in this world and that we have this this freedom to travel and experience life and have all the emotions, both the good and the bad, because the good makes you appreciate life and the bad makes you know that you're alive. Mm, oh, wow. I love your wisdom, Vin. How beautiful. Thank you for being you, for being open to life. Thank you. And my last question is, what three experiences you wish everyone to have before they lose the body, before they die? Okay. Love that one. So the three experiences that I wish for everyone to have before they move on from this world is to experience real love because there's nothing greater. And that doesn't have to be romantic. Uh, they could just have love for other humans. I think that's real love too. I would like for everyone to experience what it's like to be at peace at least just once to know that you are taken care of, that you are loved, that you are fulfilled and that you are going to always be okay because that is a beautiful thing. And lastly, I wish for people to experience more joy in nature. Like when you go for that hike, 
and you get to that destination and you finally get to see that most beautiful breathtaking view that you've been working towards. And it brings you back to your inner child and brings the kid out of you because you just sit there in awe and amazement that we're fortunate enough to be alive to even experience that. I love them all, of course, <laughs> a million times. Yeah, yes, to all or three of them. And I love that you brought nature back. I know you mentioned earlier when I asked about what you love about being in the human body. You mentioned the, being in nature. Yeah, that is incredible. I agree. And the technical question is, where can we find more information about you, your work, products, services, and future projects? Great. Yeah, you can find me everywhere and anywhere. I'm trying to become a huge internet sensation. So <laughs> you can find me on my website, uh, www.vincentinfanti.life. You could find me on Instagram, which is vin.infanti. You can find me on TikTok at vin.infanti. And you can find me on LinkedIn at Vincent Infante. <laughs> Wonderful. I'll have the link of your website on your podcast profile. So that Great. makes it easier. Thank you again. And we'll talk soon, Vin. Bye Thank for you. Now. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Vin Infante and his work, please visit vincentinfante.life. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now. <laughs>